Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar, and this is going to be episode 17 of 2021 of The Informed Catholic. Episode 17 of 2021. So um, please, if you like my podcast and you think I'm doing a good job, please subscribe and share. It would be a great help. It would... uh, let my podcast grow, and um, it also would um, definitely help a lot of people. It would uh, convince Google Podcasts and Spotify and all the other platforms know that people enjoy this podcast. So let's begin with a prayer. Uh, Open up with the um, act of contrition. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, Ever-Virgin, and all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us and forgive us all our sins and Bring us to everlasting life. Amen. <clears throat> Kiri Elision. Kiri Elision. Kiri Elision. Christe Elision. Christe Elision. Christe Elision. Kiri Elision. Kiri Elision. Kiri Elision. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace to people of goodwill. We praise you. We bless you. We adore you. We glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. You alone are the Holy One. You alone are the Lord. You alone are the Most High. Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. All right, so the first reading is, uh, we're going through the book of Hebrews. So uh, let's continue uh, here. Reading from the letter to the Hebrews, let us strive to enter into that rest. Let us be on our guard while the promise of entering into his rest remains that none of you seem to have failed. For in fact, we have received the good news, news just as our ancestors did. But the word that they heard did not profit them, for they were not united in faith with those who listened. For we have believed for who for we who believed enter into that rest just as he has said as i swore in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest and yet his works were accomplished at the foundations of the world for he has spoken somewhere about the seventh day in this manner and god rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in the previously mentioned place, 
they shall not enter into my rest. Therefore, let us strive to enter into that rest so that no one may fail may, may fall after the same example of disobedience. Okay, let me read it one more time. <clears throat> A reading from the letter of the Hebrews. It's actually chapter 4, verse 1 to 5, and then to 11. A reading from the letter of the Hebrews. Let us be on our guard while the promise of entering into his rest remains that none of you seem to have failed. For in fact, we have received the good news just as our ancestors did. But the word that they heard did not profit them, for they were not united in faith with those who listened. For we who believed enter, enter into that rest, just as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. And yet his works were accomplished at the foundations of the world. For he has spoken somewhere about the seventh day in this manner, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in the previously mentioned place, they shall not enter into my rest. Therefore, let us strive to enter into that rest, so that no one may fall after the same example of disobedience. Interesting. So, what we have here is from the last time, if you remember Psalm 95, which was the place where uh, it mentions the place of testing in the book of Exodus. I'm actually starting to read the book of Exodus. I just, I just finished reading um, the, uh, the book of Genesis. And interesting to note is because they grumbled and complained and they worried about what they were going to eat, the, about water uh, and about their conditions in the desert after the fantastic miracles of the Ten Plagues, the parting of the Red Sea, God sending a pillar of fire to to block Pharaoh. And, um, you know, it's in, in that cloud to cover them. They constantly grumbled about food and drink. Um, they grumbled uh, to the point where finally um, they had to, uh, God punished them because they just did not have any faith. And what is faith? Let, I mean, it says here, uh, for they were not united in faith. That's a very interesting part, right? A very interesting part when you read it. But the word that they heard did not profit them, for they were not united in faith with those who listened. With those who listened. Okay, so listening, hearing, paying attention to what God says, to what the Lord says. Now, but what is faith? Faith is trust. Faith is trusting God, letting go and handing yourself over to God, completely trusting him with your life, completely trusting him. Uh, and what, but what does it mean still, right? We ask about that question. What does it mean? Faith. Faith is also entering into a relationship, 
Abraham, you know, Abraham says Abraham believed and it was reckoned to him as, you know, as righteousness. Abraham believed and trusted. He believed and trusted. He believed God. He completely surrendered his fear, his reluctance, uh, his doubt, everything, and completely handed, handed himself over. And, you know, and that's now probably to some people, it's still a struggle because what do you mean? Well, look how a child, your, your own child trusts you. A child holds onto your hand, right? You know, like sometimes when you're walking with your kid, those of you who have kids, uh, and you know how sometimes the child reaches up and takes your hand in a sense, that's like a prayer. It's also trust. The child trusted that you're going to be there. The child trusts that their parent will protect them. A child trusts that their father and mother will provide food for them and feed them and make sure that they sleep safely. They don't have to look sometimes, you know, children don't have to look twice. They don't doubt themselves. You know, I mean, you know, they don't, they don't second guess. That's trust. And in a sense, like Jesus said, you have to have, you know, faith like little children, right? That's what he said. To enter the kingdom of heaven. It's complete trust. It's complete surrender. And it's a complete relationship. And, you know, and you know that you have sanctified faith. Sanctified faith is faith that is holy. It's completely where you, you completely, um, you know, are in complete, like sanctified grace. Sanctified grace is the life of God in you. Faith is also the life of the, uh, the faith of God in you. You trust God. You believe God. You, you have no doubt about him. And it's, it's hard. It's hard because, you know, especially what we're going through every day with, you know, we, we constantly worry. We constantly have fear. We have fear about paying the bills. We have fear about about a lot of things, right? You know, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to, you know, lose, you know, lose um, our relationship with God. And we're constantly being being tested. We're constantly being being tested, tested at every moment, and it's. It's a temptation for us to sometimes lose, uh, you know, to, to completely lose faith, to doubt, to despair. And that's tough. And what happened was with, with the people of Israel in, in this passage here, the rest, he mentions here the, sab the seventh day. Uh, one of the things I've learned so far um, listening to other people, um, Catholic teachers is a number seven is a covenant <clears throat> is also perfection and it's a covenant when God makes an oath the word seven in uh, Hebrew Shabbat is also the word for oath um, and for the Israelites not to enter into his rest was also I, I'm I'm gonna take a guess was failing to 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 keep the covenant.
the covenant with Israel um, is more than just a, it's not a contract. It's a marriage. When God made a covenant with Israel, it was a marriage. A marriage. It was a deep relationship. Though though Israel failed to keep the covenant, God kept his side of the covenant. God often described Israel as his bride. And God often described himself as the bridegroom, the husband. Even though a lot of people, um, I guess with a political correctness, uh, often get annoyed by that, right? Because why can't God be a woman? Why, you know, you know, he, God, I'm not going to question why God choose, cho chose those, uh, chose to describe himself as a king, a husband and a warrior and a father. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into that. I think a lot of it has a lot to do with human nature. God probably, I'm going to say this, God understands human nature better than human nature understands itself. Human nature is very, very fickle. It's also very selfish and it's constantly uh, always putting itself in, it, it always has conflicts. It always has psychological conflicts. Human beings are just like that. I think choosing choosing to call himself king and father and choosing and choosing to call uh to to have a to the second person to call himself the son and then deciding to pick uh the blessed mother god understands human nature far better so let's not go into that um but the thing anymore at least but the thing is is that the the rest is salvation not they shall not enter into my rest. They shall not enter into my rest. My my paradise, my covenant paradise. I'm going to say this, my um, my perfection, my my salvate the salvation I provided for them. So they failed to do that, and so they were punished to wander the desert, until the older generation was completely wiped out. They died, they died out slowly for 40 years in the desert until they were no more. And that generation that left Egypt no longer was around. Only the generation that grew up or born in the desert um, and not wandering for 40 years was the only generation that was left. Um, it's, you know, and, and it goes here, and like he says here in the end, Therefore, let us strive to enter into that rest so that no one may fall after the same example of disobedience. So strive to keep pushing forward in our salvation, to keep pushing forward in our, in our relationship. And I, and I truly think this is, this is what's important here. We live in a very, very secular culture, right? Um, people, people, uh, it's a very secular, secondarian culture that does, that really um, looks, looks down and distrusts religion. But the thing is, here's the interesting, <clears throat> interesting thing. Secular culture is religious, is religious. Um, 
if you're not going to worship God, I've said it before, if you're not going to worship God, you're going to put something in place of God. And either it's going to be money, either it's going to be the government, either it's going to be, um, uh, what do you call it, your um, uh, career, either, either it's going to be so, uh, I, uh, sports, either it's going to be um, sex, whatever it is, you're going, you're, you are going to put something in place of God. Okay. Um, it's funny. Like I, the other day <clears throat> I was talking to a friend. I think I mentioned it to you guys. I, I used to collect comic books and I remember in, um, in this place, Midtown comics, they sold figurines of superheroes. And it's really amazing some of these figurines are so were so were, were unbelievable prices some of them even going to the $1000 uh a figure that had gold plated images like 24 karat gold embedded in it it was a superhero a female superhero and you look at them you look at all of them one of the, it, it literally went into a $1000 range imagine someone spending that kind of money A person who had that kind of money to just blow it away, throw it away on that on, on a figurine as a collectible. That really right there is paganism. It's a pagan idol. Your money that you give away to these secularist things is to, to these you know, pagan idol images is your burnt offerings, your sacrifices. A man who goes ahead and spends money on pornography is offering up burnt offerings and sacrifices. The time you put in, the labor you put in. The same thing happens with gambling. The same thing happens with drinking, with, with your drugs and alcohol or entertainment, whatever, what do you choose for entertainment is what you worship. The things that you look to distract you from spiritual things, those are your worship. When you, when a person goes up to a, a gambling table, you're going to an altar. When the Jews came out of Egypt, they were still pagan. They, the, the, the children of Israel were not converted. They worshipped pagan idols. Same thing today. You come, you, you, you come from a long day's work. You got paid, right? And what do you, what, you know? And maybe you're into gambling. The first thing you decide to do is you're going to go over to the to a gambling post or whatever wherever it is and you're going to put a bet you're going to bet down on some money on on some team. Very easily you put that money down. Maybe you have wife and kids, maybe you have family, maybe you have a father and mother to take care of, but for some reason you have to bet because maybe a few times you you made you 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 made a good guess, let's put it that way, a good bet, and you walked away 
with a lot of money. But you keep thinking about that high. You keep thinking about that day you made a lot of money. After that, you're struggling. You're constantly striving to, you see the word? Strive. That just says in there, let, let us strive. You keep striving to get that fantastic hit, that hit, you know, to do that, you know, to, to, to make that kind of money. And what happens? You keep, you know, you keep putting out of your mind that you lost this one. You lost that one. Oh, I almost got close last, last week. I almost got close the week before, but it doesn't seem to bother you that you keep losing money. Same thing when it comes to anything else, right? You keep, you keep looking for these things. You keep looking because it's a worship. It's a worship. But yet for somehow it's very difficult for people to put faith in God and to, to strive. But with God, it's more than just, uh, you know, what do you call following rules? It's letting, like I said, it's letting him enter your life day by day, every single moment and living, learning to love, learning to take care of, because that's why he gives, he gives us all these rules, but we have to do them out of faith. You know, if a person does them reluctantly, follows all these, the, the, these guidelines reluctantly, it's bitterness and it's not faith. And the children of Israel, they had to learn that. They had to learn that. That's why the, the, a generation had to go and a generation had to come to that would only know God. And then Joshua was all Joshua and maybe a few others left from that period. All right, let's go to the, um, the responsorial psalm. All right, so let's get into this next one here. Uh, but I want to go back a little bit to the um, letter to the Hebrews. There's a part here I think um, I didn't emphasize enough. Um, even when it says here, they shall not enter into my rest, and yet his works were accomplished at the foundations of the world, meaning the work when he set up the whole world, God's creation. For he has spoken somewhere about the seventh day in this manner, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in the, in a previously mentioned place, this is in the letter of Hebrews, they shall not enter into my rest. As I said about all your work, your works, people often, like when I mentioned about how someone spends money and wastes and blows all that money, which is like your burnt offerings, when you're addicted to something that is heathen, something that is also contrary something that basically is like whatever you use it as a distraction it's important that we understand is that work is not meant to be as a curse the problem was is because man needed to strive to strive when we work we're imitating god let me remember remember this when you go out to work you are imitating god because God worked, so we work. Now, of course, his work is not the same like a human work, but still, it's about a, it's about a covenant. 
is about covenant. Human beings need to work. Laziness is is it idle is you know being idle being lazy is contrary but also at the same time meeting your responsibility why did god create the universe he created it for all his his creatures his, his, his creatures his creation his his children adam and eve and all the other animals the sea was made for the fish the trees in the air was made for the for the birds. The fields was made for the cattle. You know, all those things and all of them are good. But when a human being uh, does something contrary, like throwing away your labor on something useless, it's contrary to God. You know, foul things um you know or you know and and things that are contrary that in a sense like breaking your responsibility throwing away your responsibility because you need some kind of distraction because you're weary and because you're tired and you're fed up with the same routine that's why you need prayer that's why you need to dive into scripture that's why you need to remember this and that's why you need to 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 build good spiritual habits you need to strive to strive to strive for 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 perfection to be with god that's that's all i wanted to tell to to touch upon that now let me let's go to the response to your psalm psalm 78 and the response is do not forget the works of the lord do not forget the works of the lord what we have heard and know and what our fathers have declared to us. We will declare to the generations to come the glorious deeds the law of the Lord and his strength. Read that one more time. Do not forget the works of the Lord. Psalm 78. What we have heard and know and what our fathers have declared to us we will declare to the generations to come the glorious deeds of the Lord and his strength. Do not forget the works of the Lord. They, that they too may rise and declare to their sons that they should put their hope in God and not forget the, the deeds of God, but keep his commands. Do not forget the works of the Lord. And not be like their fathers, a generation wayward and rebellious, a generation that kept not its heart steadfast, nor its spirit faithful toward God. Do not forget the works of the Lord. All right. Looks like we touched upon something here, right? What we have heard and know. Remember, listening. They did not receive. Remember, we go back to what we heard. Uh, no, listen. They did not um, receive the good news just as our answers, but the word of, that they heard did not profit them, for they were united. They were not united in faith. You have to listen. You got to pay attention to what God says again, and what we have heard and know. They heard it and they knew it, and what our fathers have declared to us. They're, the generation before them told them, 
taught the next generation. We will declare to the generation to come, your duty is to teach your children the glorious deeds of the Lord and his strength. All right, sorry about that, a motorcycle outside. That they too may rise and declare to their sons. Again, you see how it, the responsibility. It's a living faith. It's not just a faith in the book. Faith is also from generation to generation. That's how you create a good culture. That's how you create uh, a good a good society by teach by each generation passing down the faith to the next generation. That they too may rise and declare to their sons that they should put their hope in God and not forget the deeds of God, but keep his commands and not be like their fathers, a generation wayward and rebellious, a generation that kept not its heart steadfast, nor its spirit faithful towards God. Now, you see, um, a son is going to remember a father with bad habits. A son is going to remember a father that likes to drink. A son is going to remember a father that whores around. A son is going to remember a father who did not live up to, who uh, was wayward. You know, who hanged around and, and gambled and uh, wasted, you know, wasted his money away. You know, Children don't. Children are traumatized by that kind of thing, and they and and they they remember this, and they remember all this, all this, all these um, bad behaviors that it affects them. You see, th this is this is the problem. You need you need you need to keep away from uh, from this kind of bad behavior, and you need to you you know you have to also think to yourself: this if this is how you want your children to remember you. Do you want, you know, because remember that bad behaving father, that father who, who practiced bad behavior, you know, bad, ugly behavior, one day is going to become an old man and he's going to wind up complaining that his kids don't care about him. The kids don't, well, ask yourself, how did you behave when they were kids? How did, how did you behave when they were kids? You see, it's always very easy when someone becomes old and fragile, but they forget their bad behavior. You know, they forget the bad. Then they, talk, they start talking about proper virtuous behavior. Well, the only way a kid's going to learn about it, if he sees it. Okay, if he sees it in his father. But if he grows up and he either two things, either he decides to not be like his father, but he'll kill, still carry bitterness about his old man. He'll still carry bitterness about how his father be behaved, if, especially if he saw his father beat his mother and he saw his father drink and whore around. You see what I'm saying? That kind of stuff is, is going to scar somebody. It's going to wind up scarring somebody and he's going to have, and, and, you know, boys, you know, have difficulty as well as daughters do when they see bad behavior. All right, let's go on to the gospel. All right. So now we're into the gospel, uh, gospel antiphon, alleluia, alleluia. 
a great prophet has risen in our midst and God has visited his people. Alleluia, alleluia. The Son of Man has authority to forgive sins on earth. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Uh, um, Mark, Mark chapter 2, verse 1 to 12. When Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, it became known that he was at home. Many gathered together so that there was no longer room for them, not even around the door. And he preached the word to them. They came bringing to him a paralytic carried a paralytic carried by four men. Unable to get near Jesus because of the crowd, they opened up the roof above him and after they had broken through, they let down the mat on which the par paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to them, Child, your sons are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were si sitting there asking themselves, Why does this man speak that way? He's blaspheming, who but God alone can forgive sins. Jesus immediately knew in his mind what they were thinking to themselves. So he said, why are you thinking such things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, pick up your mat and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins on earth. So he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your mat and go home. He rose, he picked up his mat at once and went away in the sight of everyone. They were all astounded and glorified God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. The gospel of the Lord praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So we got to see a, a very famous uh, miracle here. They actually did this in The Chosen. It actually was pretty cool. It was very, it was quite cool, uh, the way they did the scene in The Chosen. Now, um, Tradition says that it was Simon Peter's house, which is because it's it's in Capernaum. And uh, what's interesting is that the the Gospel of Mark is known to be Peter's preaching. It's basically Peter's uh, preaching about Jesus, which is what they say the Gospel of Mark is. Now, uh, some stories say that Mark was Simon Peter's nephew. And that, uh, you know, that's Mark's mother is Simon Peter's sister. That's just tradition. We don't really know for certain, but there seems to be a closeness. Now, Mark, Mark probably uh, was the young man at the end of the gospel who was in the Garden of Gethsemane when one of the soldiers, the temple guards, tries to grab him and his night garment came off uh, because the upper room was the place that was provided by Mark's father and mother to the, the, the Lord and his, and his apostles for the last supper. And which is hence uh, the possibility that, uh, how, how they know, because we, you know, the man carrying the jug of water was the man who provided perhaps the, the upper room and, you know, the upper room and that, it's uh the relationship is through mark's mother through simon peter this is this is what people say i mean this is what some scholars some traditions say um 
who knows? Maybe it is true. Who knows? Uh, you know, it would be nice to think it is because, I mean, it kind of makes sense. There's a lot of relationship. Everybody's related to everybody in, uh, you know, in that world. You know, there's some relationships. Um, what's interesting about this is that, remember, we were reading before. Okay, Jesus goes to Capernaum. He calls Simon, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, sons of Zebedee to join to follow him the lord makes uh a miracle with the multiplication of the fish uh he goes around preaching he casts out demons in the synagogue he goes up to the synagogue and he starts teaching and people are astounded because he doesn't teach like the regular teachers he teaches with authority and then he there's a man there possessed and he casts out the demon then he goes into um Simon Peter's house and Simon Simon's mother-in-law is sick with a fever. He touches her, he heals her. Th then it's we know it's still the Sabbath because by that very evening people were bringing all their sick, all their uh, their loved ones who were sick, and he would heal them. And there were other people with possession, and he cast out the demons. In the morning. Jesus gets up very early to pray and people were looking for him. Simon Peter and, and everyone was, they found him and they said, we were all looking for you. And then he says, let us go to the next town for I, I, for this purpose, I came into the world along the way. He, he, they, a man comes to them who has leprosy and he's begging the Lord. If I know you can make me clean, if you will it. The Lord says, I do will it. He touches him and the man is clean. The man's body is healed from the leprosy. A horrible disease that chews away at the body. Slowly it kills the nerves and it causes it to start rotting. A horrible disease, you know, uh, causing great disfigurement and shame and embarrassment. It's, it's, it's a slow death and a slow torture, uh, you know, basically. And then going on from there, we see um, now he he's 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 in someone's house. He's in Simon Peter's house, and everybody wants to hear him speak. Everybody wants to hear this man teach. They want to hear what he has to say. There, you know, there's no room. They're blocking the door, and then they bring someone on on a stretcher, a a, a mat, a, a, a you know, for for this man, a mat. They can't get through the door. And um, they they break through the roof. They break through the roof. Um, and um, <laughs> they, Jesus sees their faith and they lower the man. They lower the man who was on the mat. What's interesting about this, uh, hold on, the breaking through the roof kind of like is almost a call to Pentecost when you think about it, right? Because they're going on top of the house and they rip the roof, the, the roof open. Light is coming in. But this man, and usually in other gospels, I think they say it's four men. Four men. The four men bringing this sick man. Often the church fathers say that the four men represent the four gospels. And the sick man is the man who needs the four gospels, who needs the gospel to to heal him and that's what they often say now jesus is is touched by their faith 
He's moved by their faith. Four men, it says here, they came, they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Four men. They're also kind of like the picture of the four creatures. You know, one is a man, one is a, a lion, one is an, a, a bull or an ox, another one is an eagle. And the fact that they bring this four men, the four gospels heal the sick person. The four gospels, the testimony of Jesus Christ heals the sick man. It, it's for the sick, you know, and, and that's, that's what it is. So they carry the man down. Uh, because unable to get near Jesus. Now, um, after they've broken through the roof, it's sort of like, you know, like I said, it's sort of like the gospel shatters heaven and comes to earth. You see, the man is, uh, even though the man is being brought down, but in a sense, it's the four gospels coming down for the sick. That's what, that, that that's how sometimes they, they, they interpret it. So, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to him, saw, you know, the, saw their faith. He said to the man, child, son, sometimes it translates son, your, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were there, these scribes, and they were, they didn't like this because only God can forgive sins and Jesus can read their minds and their hearts. And he tells them that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Now, if the son of man has the authority on earth to forgive sin. They, they think he's blaspheming. They think he's, he's breaking the law. And they say, who but God alone can forgive sins? Jesus immediately knew in his mind what they were thinking. Why are you thinking such things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven or rise, pick up your mat and walk. But that you may know that the son of man has authority to forgive sins on earth. Um, then he tells him to pick up your mat and go home. He picked it up, his mat, and walked out. Went, went, went out, you know, in the sight of everyone. And everyone was astounded. So if the Son of Man has on earth, a power on earth to forgive sins, he also has the power to pass it down to his apostles, to his own, the, people, the men he chosen to preach and teach. So you see, okay, there's a noise outside. So you see, it's, you know, Jesus is the one who receives it. Think about the four Gospels bring the man through the roof. It's sort of like a church because remember, that's church. They're, they're at church. That Simon Peter's house became also became the site of a, of, of a church. They bring the sick man to him. He receives the sick through the four Gospels. And he heals us because the four Gospels bring us to Jesus and Jesus heals us. That's the whole point of it. Okay, so um, let's end it here with an Our Father. Uh, I'm still in the middle of the work week and I'm quite exhausted. All right, let's say a prayer in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forever. 
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. All right, folks, uh, God bless, and um, keep praying. And uh, please pray for me. And also, um, if you want, maybe you can leave some comments on my Facebook page, The Informed Catholic on Facebook. Uh, also pray for uh, our brothers and sisters um, in um, the other media, church militant. There's now a lot of cancel, a lot of this cancel culture. Now they feel very powerful. They're uh, canceling people's channels. It doesn't look good. It looks bad. It looks bad because uh, although there might, I think it's a backlash going to happen because they they want to cancel conservative voices and i don't know i mean i hope it doesn't mean anything about podcasts but anything's possible now in this uh rapidly secular culture that is very anti-god um it might be that we don't know so visit the informed catholic facebook page and if you can, leave some comments, maybe some suggestions that you would like me to do. Also, I'll set up a Patreon page that you can um, maybe contribute to if it's possible. It would actually help, um, I think, and for the future, uh, like for books and maybe to um, set up a web page for people and everything and also um because i want to i want to try to share as much information as possible with everybody my what i do is i take articles like from church militant or life site news or the remnant or any other uh catholic newspaper and i try to read it with you and, and i try to read the gospel with you that's another thing i enjoy doing this where sharing the interpretation of the gospel i want to help people Catholics and other Christians, we, how we could read the Bible and everything. Like when I just told you about the book of Hebrews, what it tells us, we, um, we come into the Lord's rest. We come into the Lord's rest because, and we also have to learn to look at labor differently. Like you see in this scene in the gospel, when they brought the man, they, people worked, they worked they carried the man. Think about it. He had four people carry him to the Lord. That was a lot of faith on their part. And they, they didn't have to do it, but they did it. They wanted to bring someone sick. They obviously loved him. They loved him very much that they wanted him to be healed. And it was their love for this man. They probably were his relatives, his cousins, maybe even his friends. They wanted him to be healed. They wanted him to walk. They obviously loved him. Even though whatever sins he may have committed, they loved him. And they brought him to the Lord. They took the time to carry him and, and bring him. And not only that, to go up on another person's roof and rip the ceiling off and then bring him down in a stretcher to to Jesus so that Jesus may receive him. And that was their love for him and their love for, for believing that this man can do it 
was their burnt offering, their sacrifice, their Eucharistic love, their thanksgiving. They brought the sick to the Lord so that the Lord can heal him. That's very powerful. That's very powerful. When you think about it, that's how we should do this. We want we, we love people that we want to bring them to God, to, to God. We want to bring them to Jesus Christ. In this culture, they don't think that way. They don't think that way at all. They don't they don't have any kind of love for anybody. In their view, it's the state first. And for, for men like him, this this paralytic, they probably want to euthanize him. The way they're euthanizing um children. The other day I was reading in in the in the book of Exodus how Pharaoh ordered that every male child be put to death by being cast into the Nile because they, he feared the Hebrews were numerous. Now think about it. This is, this, th that means as soon as they're born, they're to be put to death. What do we have today? Full-term abortion of the, of, of the new baby. As soon as the child comes in the world, they're to kill him, to kill the baby. It's the same thing. I see. All right. I have to go. Um, thank you and God bless. And we'll be back together again soon. Amen.